logging town in rural Oregon. Um, and uh, that's uh, where some of my family still is to this day. Um, and then, uh, but I, I think I was 18 years old. Um, I was. I was 18 years old the very first time I came to Alaska. Um, and I actually started for a very short period of time in Juneau before coming to Ketchikan um, and kind of... Um, finding finding a group of people uh, that I love, that loved me, and um, kind of being taken by the town and, and feeling like it was a place that I could always come back to. Wow. So coming from Oregon at, at 18, were you a seasonal? Did you come up here to work seasonally or what was your... Yeah. So... Um, I, you know, I grew up in a faith tradition that's very a very tight-knit community, um, really across the nation, but particularly in the Pacific Northwest. And so there were groups of us that um, ended up attending um, a college in Portland, Oregon, and made lots of connections with people uh, from Juneau and from Ketchikan and other places where we had kind of been in the same, grew up in the same faith tradition. And so um, some of my best friends, uh, you know, I, to this day, um, I made there and um, the summer um, that we were kind of deciding what to do I got invited to come um, and spend a summer in Juneau and work seasonally and um, you know kind of experience that life um, and I think it was only a couple of weeks into being in Juneau that I actually got a call um, from Ketchikan asking me to come and be a camp counselor at Orton Ranch wow. at, yeah at, in Naha and um it just so happened that in the small knit uh, group of friends that we had, my boyfriend was had actually come to Ketchikan <laughs> for the summer, and so um, I was like, "Oh, you know, absolutely! It's a it's an opportunity to go see my boyfriend at the very least." Um, so I signed up to be a camp counselor at Orton Ranch, and. Um, some of the the Ketchikan leaders of the camp saw that. You know, I, I think what they saw was probably that I had uh, engaging relationships with with kids. I, I enjoyed working with with youth and um, they asked me to come and be a youth leader here for the summer um, at the church. And so I jumped at that chance because this is where my boyfriend was. Um, a little bit of a plot twist. The reason my boyfriend was here was because he was living and staying for the summer with my current husband. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the story you know sometimes you think you're here for one thing and it's really a whole different thing and, and, and correct I, I i love that so so now you find ketchikan and your youth you uh you find love here in ketchikan so what did you do so you find love here in ketchikan then you go back to oregon or like what's yeah I'll, so there i had a couple of years where um you know, I, I kind of wandered a little bit. Um, I, I I grew up with a, a lot going on in my family to the extent that it it wasn't the place that I could be, mm. um, to put it that way. Um, and so I, I traveled around a little bit. I would go back to Oregon for short stints of time. I would live with friends um, for short stints of time. Um, and it seemed like I always kept coming back to Ketchikan. It felt, I don't know how to explain it, but, you know, when I first came here, um, my first, what I call my first Alaskan family was the family that I lived with when I was a youth leader. And they treated me like family. Uh, they took me in, um, loved me, accepted me, supported me. And from the moment I set foot on the island, it felt 
more like home. And so I always found myself coming back here. Um, the reason, actually, I didn't fall in love that first time. Uh, I knew my husband. I knew he was my my uh, boyfriend's friend. Um, and, and he, you know, he was my friend, too. But I had actually met his sister. So my, my future sister-in-law became my best friend. And she kind of acted as an anchor to always be kind of when I would go float around and kind of, you know, go from place to place and not, I didn't, I wasn't finding my roots. She would always suggest, well, why don't you come to Ketchikan? Mm-hmm. Or uh, one season she said, why don't you come to Skagway? We're going to work in a store that's starting. Um, you know, you'll have room and board. You can work for the season and then decide what you want to do. And at the end of that season, she invited me to come here and live with her family. And so my my in-laws, my family, were really my family before I was an official member. Wow. <laughs> so wow. they kind of adopted me in, gave me a place to live. And then through the process of being part of the family, I fell in love with my best friend's brother. Your best friend brother and your <laughs> current husband. And what is your husband's name? Uh, his name is Jim Parrott. Jim Parrott. And yes. You know... Not to be partial, but I <laughs> I only know the Parrott family through Grace Parrott, who is a co-worker of mine and has become a, a good friend. She is such a lovely spirit and lovely soul. And she was telling me a bit about this story before oh, I goodness. spoke to you here today. And your best friend, also Katie Parrott. Same name. Yes, Katie Parrott. So I've had to correct people several times when they said, oh, and Katie Joe is a high, is a K-High graduate. And I have to correct them and say, I can't take, uh, you know, I can't take the the praise for my sister's or my sister-in-law's accomplishment that wasn't me um i was a little late to that (laughs) yes yes and you know what it it, it hits me uh right in the heart when you say that there was just something unexplainable about catch a can that just kept coming back you couldn't quite pull away I always say this, Ketchikan chooses its people. Mm. It absolutely chooses its people. Mm-hmm. And, and once it grabs you, it won't let you go. There are people who come to Ketchikan, <clears throat> excuse me, who, people who come to Ketchikan who absolutely hate it. Yeah. They absolutely hate it, and I I always look at them. I'm like, I'm like, what's like, what's going on with with with, with uh, you? But the people who love Ketchikan, it really takes you in, and it just really won't let you go. Yeah. I moved to Ketchikan. Uh, twenty the uh, in February of 2017, mm. I came up to visit my uncle who's lived here for a long time, and only intending to stay for a few weeks, and mm-hmm. then just stayed. The catch the the community just grabbed me, yes. and I started singing around town and doing all kinds of different stuff. And this community has really just embraced me, and the way that I feel that it has embraced you. Mm. The, um, I when I first heard about you, everyone everyone was just so excited to have maybe a breath of fresh air, something different, something new, um, and and it's just really exciting to, to me to hear that you have a similar Ketchikan experience where you're not from here, but Ketchikan chose you, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's something poignant to to really point out there. Um, so, what did you do before you moved to Ketchikan professionally? Um, so uh, I, I kind of did a mishmash of things. Um, I, I, before I moved to Ketchikan, I worked odd jobs. Um, if, if I'm going to be really honest for a period of time, I was a bouncer at a club in Portland. I know I don't look like (laughs) I could be a bouncer at a club, but I did, I did do that job for a period of time. Um, but like I said, I didn't have roots anywhere. So I kind of floated around. I worked at the library. Um, I, I delivered newspapers. I worked at a call center. I kind of I was trying to find my place and trying to find my skill set. And because I, I, to be honest, 
I really struggled in high school and I barely graduated high school. Mm. Um, I didn't know what my strengths or interests were. I was just trying to survive. And so it was a, a couple years long process of trying to find something that I felt you know, I was successful. And, and one of the things that I always had in my heart, but that it took me some time to actually implement that in, in a professional um, paid position is my love of working with kids, mm. uh, with youth and adolescents specifically. So that my, the start of my career really started in Ketchikan when I started working at Community Connections in their children's uh, behavioral health program. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like hearing that, hearing that it wasn't always just a streamline, no. like I'm focused on wanting to be in politics. I want no. to be this powerful person uh, in it for just the glory of saying, like, I'm the mayor, I'm the governor, mm-hmm. I'm this and I'm that. Um, so, But now you say that you, you struggled in high school a bit. You struggled to kind of find your footing. But you graduated from Oxford? Well, okay, I should clarify. Um, I, it's actually, I graduated from Middlebury College in Vermont. Uh, they have a partnership with the University of Oxford uh, for the program that I completed so that there's a campus at Oxford University in Lincoln College. And so they share facilities and staff and resources and some professors. Um, and so I was able to complete uh, my breadloaf uh, Master's of Arts in English Literature degree um, at the University of Oxford at the campus at Lincoln College. So technically, it's a Middlebury degree, and I completed the the earlier parts of my program in Vermont. Um, but uh, the credits that I needed just happened to be in this beautiful, amazing, you know, historic place, and so I took the opportunity to do that. Um, I actually started the program when. I was teaching uh, English classes at the University of uh, Alaska Southeast, and they wanted uh, me to have a specific English literature degree. So I started it back then. um, And then my career took a completely different path. I thought I was going to be an English professor, and then other opportunities opened up. And so I had to decide, though, this year, actually last year, um, whether I was going to finish the degree or let all of that work kind of you know, go into the ether. And I decided um, that, you know, in retirement, I, I love teaching. I would love to be able to eventually pick up some classes and, and continue teaching. Um, it was fun. It's rewarding. And so I decided to go ahead and finish. Wow. So what do you do here in the community right now? I am the business manager for Ketchikan uh, School District. And um, essentially, I take what how I describe it sometimes is I take care of all the things that are not fun <laughs> about working <laughs> for a school district. I deal with the money and the insurance and, uh, you know, some of our regulatory compliance uh, reporting um, and those kinds of things. I oversee the food service uh, program and busing and then provide support to the superintendent. So that's my role. So you'd be used to having a lot of um, opinions from the outside being thrown (laughs) into your job, right? Yes, yes. And that kind of goes into my next question. I want to talk a little bit about the pressures of being a public figure in a small community like Ketchikan, or really anywhere, but especially in Ketchikan, where you do see your constituents in the grocery store and different places like that. And they can come up to you and just talk to you like, hey, why aren't you doing this? Why are you doing that? Blah, blah, blah. What is that like for you? Sure. Um, Well, I I guess I should start by saying I I think I was a reluctant public figure 
figure. I, I, I never in any of my positions have really set out to be a public figure. There was something about the position that interests me, and usually it was about, um, a lot of times it's about serving kids. I, I really find that so rewarding. Um, and so, um, but yes, I think that in, in the process of kind of serving that purpose or mission that I feel like I have in, in some of my positions, um, you, you do have to do some public facing things. And, um, for me, I think being really focused on the reason why has been, has made the public facing part less daunting. Mm -hmm. And I think I also bring kind of a different perspective is I really, even if, if your opinion is different than mine or your perspective or what you're wanting is different than mine, I, I feel like I can empathize, I can listen, I can take that information in and sometimes even change my opinion. And mm. that, that that's something that you have to learn in working with kids is being flexible like that. And so... Um, and it's the same for the public. I mean, really, we're all we're all just humans. Absolutely. We're all just trying to figure it out. We're all just trying to do the best we can, live the best lives we can. And so, um, I often think when I'm doing public facing things, you know, what what are what do people need to know? What do they want to know? And um, how can you kind of create an umbrella where that you can meet mutual needs and goals? Um, and that was especially true during the pandemic. That mm. was a rough period of time, a period of time that I had to serve as the acting superintendent for a good chunk of it. Wow. And, and that's a hard it position. It is a hard position. You went through, what, four of them during that yeah, time? Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, it was interesting because people during that time had asked me and people had surmised, well, maybe she wants the job, um, you know, uh, permanently. And no. One second. <laughs> it sounds like we might have a call. Let's see if I remember how to do this. One second. One second. One second. Hello. Welcome to the First City Forum. You're on the air with Joe Williams and Katie Joe Parrott. Is it, did I do it right? Oh, Hello. 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 There we go. There we go. How's it going? Darn good. Darn good. Hey, I just had a couple, two or three questions for her. Hopefully you keep her on there for a full hour where she can start answering questions. Yes. Yeah. We know where she's from and stuff, but, you know, like, what's her take on uh, something to do about the uh, homeless problem here in town? And, uh, yeah, you know, I know you're on there, but... Uh, and uh, her controversy over what uh, Dial was saying on uh, the queer dancing up there at the library. Absolutely, absolutely. And, yeah, I'd like to hear what what she would have done in that case. Absolutely. <clears throat> now, we're going to get into all of that for sure. Thank you for that call. So I guess it's time to get right into the meat of, right. of the matter, Katie Jo. <laughs> so I, I, yeah. so th thank you. Thank you so much for your call. We will address those this very second. Thank you so much, sir. Okay. All right. So, Katie, Jill, I guess they are tired of the niceties. <laughs> Let's get into the stuff. Okay. Let's do it. So, the homelessness in Ketchikan, yes. as, as our caller just addressed it, the homeless problem. Um, you know, moving into this community, I did notice that comparatively in size, we do have a fairly large homeless population here. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Um, oh, I have a lot of thoughts on that. Um, you know, years ago, that was, that was one of the issues uh, that that I found um, 
I don't know, very personally moving that I wanted to participate in. And I mean, still to this day, um, in a different way, uh, dealing with sometimes our homeless students and families, which is a challenge. Um, so uh, there's been different um, groups that have met, uh, coalitions of people, community uh, teams that have met through the years to try to strategize um, how we address that issue. And, um, and, and many of the nonprofits in our community have stepped up to take kind of a piece of it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, there's been some uh, efforts that have been very successful um, through the years. The, the Warming Center, uh, that was such a, a step forward in addressing the issue to make sure that people could get out of inclement weather and, I mean, essentially survive yes. is what that, that program is doing. Um, but also uh, taking a look at the additional facilities um, that you know that are available to expand into uh, more places for people to go. Um, I, I think that there are still some um, resources that this community could leverage um, to really uh, address the issue. Uh, but I do know that some of the groups are now looking at those opportunities again. Um, Several years ago, um, I was uh, part of the um, Alaska uh, Coalition on Homelessness and Housing and was participating in that group a little bit um, as it kind of interacted or, or, or I guess, uh, overlapped with some of the work I was doing in developing a transition program for youth who were aging out of foster care, um, because a huge disproportionate amount of, of kids coming out of foster care at some point become homeless, which wow. is really terrifying, um, a majority actually. Um, and so uh, I got involved in some of those programs. And at the time, there was a lot of federal money and, and, and federal grant programs that were coming out to try to ad address the program or that uh, that issue. Um, and so I think that those opportunities still exist. Um, I think it's a little bit dependent on the community organizing in a way that um, has a cohesive plan and then puts forward, uh, pro you know, project, uh, uh, project plans that meet the goals of those funding agencies. Um, and so I've been a little bit, I'll admit, a little bit out of that world for several years mm -hmm. um, as I've worked on other things. <coughs> Um, but I'm assuming that uh, the homeless uh, forum that was held, I believe, last week, um, I think that some of the focus is coming back on doing that collaboration that develops kind of a community-wide plan and kind of a um, levels of support to either prevent um, prevent homelessness or address that. At the district, we're trying to leverage more funding so that uh, students can be provided more supports if their families are experiencing that. Absolutely. And I think it goes also into how do we get those people suffering with homelessness working? Right. How do we get them out of that position? Right. And then a lot of it would also go into the drug problem that we have here in Ketch really around the world, but really in Ketchikan where we're seeing these people, they're obviously afflicted by this terrible addiction and they're, and they're, and they're dying yes. in droves. How do we address that? So, um, Thank you for bringing that up because a disproportionate number of, of homeless individuals or marginally housed individuals struggle with substance abuse or, or other behavioral health or mental health disorders. And so one of the strategies is some kind of an intervention at an earlier place in order to address those uh, what might be like root cause issues. Um, and that that includes, I mean, it's a fairly complex problem in terms of one 
one strategy is not going to fix it. Right. Um, there's strategies such as uh, uh, providing or making more accessible uh, mental health services, uh, substance abuse services, uh, uh, making those so accessible that it takes off the burden from the individual who is needing services. I think there's some strategies that can be done there. Um, but then also really just provide finding a way to, in the interim, in, in areas of recovery, uh, having programs that can help meet those survival level needs um, in order for someone to get back on their feet. One of the things, oh, this is this gets me excited. One of the things about this community that I think is absolutely amazing, unique, and wonderful is there is a recovery community in Ketchikan that that are vocal about being in, in recovery from drugs and alcohol, yes. that uh, meet regularly, support each other, um, support other people who are trying to achieve recovery and, and sobriety. And... Um, those are, I say this repeatedly, those are some of the strongest people I know. Absolutely. The Stomp the Stigma March that uh, uh, Danny Duckworth started a few years ago and her and a group of, of people in recovery, it's so unique and, and such a, a, I think, winning strategy for d- displaying success in recovery. Um, and so some of those things that are already happening in Ketchikan, I think, are winning strategies. Absolutely. And I've definitely seen that. You'll see on social media, you know, there's people, Ketchikan social media is quite unlike any other. You know what I mean? <laughs> like everyone knows everyone. They grew up together. We see each other everywhere. But you get on that Facebook platform and everyone's going after each other. There's all kinds of stuff going on. But you'll see certain times you'll see a post about a person who may be afflicted with drug addiction who's done something and everyone's sort of coming after them but you'll see those people in that recovery community like hey have some grace for this person this person's going through this and that like and they'll give their own testimony like hey i was struggling i did this and i did that this person needs help let's let's come together and help them so i definitely see i've seen what you're talking about live on on the book if if you will um so yes um so if you have questions for katie joe we are live Right, right now, the number is 907-247-2000. Anything I'm not addressing that you would like to know, please call in because I did not intend for this to be a political interview <laughs> at first, but it is now so. Uh, so, and yeah, so let's really get into what a lot of people are are talking about right now. It's one of the hot button topics of the community at the moment and one that they would definitely expect me to address. Let's talk about the drag story time at the library and all the controversy that came with that. I will say I'm biased in this because when Mayor Dial did veto that that drag story time and then his veto was vetoed and he tried to veto the veto of the veto, he used my voice and he said that I was trying to turn the community against their, uh, I was trying to, to convert children into homosexuality and to turn them against their parents and all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, so I am a little biased on this. So Mayor Dow, when you come on, I probably won't be the one doing your interview, but it will be addressed. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about that. How, as our caller asked, how would you have addressed that? 